the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They are creating businesses that really add value to others, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, Inspiration for the Entrepreneurial Mind with Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world, you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com, and it's great to be back with you again uh, to talk today about a, a fascinating subject. Um, we're going to talk about personal branding, about how to develop an authentic personal brand, and I think it's something that is just so topical and so important right now. And uh, I'd just like us maybe to start off by have, have a think about how many different brands do you think that you're exposed to on a daily basis? Now, some say that back in the 70s, it was about 500, and today it might be as many as 5,000 every day. Now, for those brands that you have a good feeling that you associate with it, is it not true that you're more likely to engage with them or potentially aspire to be associated with them or even purchase that brand? Have you therefore considered that in addition to products and corporate brands, people are also brands as well? And based upon the impressions and interactions people have with you, their desirability to associate or buy your service is going to vary enormously, isn't it? It's very clear when you consider how companies use people to endorse their brands. Now, a prime example uh, must be uh, Tiger Woods. I guess he's been used as an example many times over the last uh, um, good few months, but who had a very high brand equity until his personal life caught up with him. Now, however, you know, are brands recoverable? Um, can we change our personal brands? Well, you only have to look at, for example, Bill Clinton today to say, yes, it's certainly possible. Uh, the way you're being and how it's interpreted by others, it therefore has an enormous impact, doesn't it, on your success in business and all the opportunities that you generate. So let's today talk to a real expert on this subject. And I wanted to get somebody who was absolutely... Uh, understood this um, at a global level, and I'm delighted today that we've got Leslie Everett on the show. Now, Leslie is an internationally acclaimed professional speaker. Uh, She's an expert on personal branding and perception management, and she's presented her walking tour methodology in, um, I believe, 20 countries now across four continents. She's regularly contributing to worldwide media. She's a published author. She's an executive coach, and her clients include a number of FTSE 100 companies. Now, Liz is often asked to comment on people in the public eye on their personal brand and image, and she's been on UK TV, on BBC News and Sky News, and in the US on CNBC, CNN, CBS, and Fox Business News. 
Uh, she's had over 150 articles published around the world and founded Walking Tall International. She's created a methodology for personal branding that's inspired audiences since 1999. Her materials are continually developed by her interactive research, and she carries it out. And, she, and she's quoted, and I've heard her quoted by other business professionals. She's a board member and fellow of the Professional Speakers Association in the UK. And um, from in 2013 and 14, she's going to be the president of the Global Speakers Federation. So, and I'm delighted to welcome Leslie on the show today. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for joining us today. I know you've been suffering with uh, about a bronchitis over the last few weeks. So Yes, I have. It's about time it's on its way out. Not a good thing to have as a professional speaker, but we'll, we'll manage, I hope, today. Not really. <laughs> so, I am. So we'll, uh, we'll cut to a commercial break quickly or something if you, we suddenly lose you. <laughs> yes, please do. Please do. <laughs> so I wonder, maybe, Leslie, if we could start by... Um, getting your take on what you see as personal branding. Sure, yeah, I think it's probably one of the the most que- the, the, the question I'm asked the most often. Um, in simple terms, what I would say, and I often say in my keynote presentations, is that your personal brand is what people say about you behind your back. Quite simply, it's what people say about you when you've left the room. It's the words they choose to use to describe you to other people, to market you, to refer you to other people, to sell you to other people. So personal branding is there already. Your brand is there already, whether you've consciously developed it or consciously thought about it or not. And it is a collection of those powerful and clear ideas that people have about you when they think of you. So I think that's the simplest way to describe what personal branding is. Do you, do you think it might also be, you know, that good feel that you have about somebody almost in the pit of your stomach? You know, you may have had experiences of them uh, in the past and you meet them and see them and, you know, you may actually need not share what you think about them, but you have, you know, maybe associations with them that you like or dislike, um, Yes, there is a little bit of that. And I think with the, the, the level of social media that we have around now, our reputation or our brand precedes us anyway when we meet people. Um, people talk about us more than ever because we've, we're more accessible, if you like, for people to have formed an opinion of us before they've even met us. And a lot of people say, well, I don't do that. You know, I, it's not something I do. I don't judge, judge people in a few seconds or on what I see instantly or what I've heard. But we do do that. We're human beings and our brains cope very well with, uh, with labeling and stereotyping and boxing people. So instantly we do get that impression, that gut feel, as you say, or that intuition. Um, we might learn to not make decisions based on that, but it's there anyway. So with our personal brand, we've just got to make sure we manage it in line with what we want to be projecting in those vital first few seconds. And I guess uh, after that, it's that ongoing kind of reputation management. Now, now we do have social media and things. We've maybe got to be careful. Do we have everything we put out there, perhaps? Yes, we do. It's taken, personal branding has taken another dimension, of course, with the social media wave. Um, people don't think enough about those small 140-character tweets that go out that say something every time about their brand. And, and I often say that your brand is a, a little bit like a pearl in an oyster. It grows organically over a period of time. As layers get added to it, it gradually evolves. And every layer we add with every single communication every day is saying something about our brand, and, and we're gradually building our reputation. 
reputation. So we really have to think about what our online brand says about us in the same way as we do when we're meeting people and presenting and speaking, etc. It's a really good point. Now, I know when we spoke, you, you shared with something quite, and to plan this show, you shared something quite interesting in that you'd recently met Madonna. Uh, yes. And now, you know, for someone who's very well known, uh, she's a very good example, I guess, to maybe help people really understand brands. I wondered how did you perceive her as a brand? Yeah, it was very interesting. It was actually after one of her concerts and I had the privilege of just being with um, half a dozen people in a very intimate setting, just talking on a sofa with her for, for 45 minutes. Um, what I just experienced in the, the concert was a whole let lot of very strong views about various elements and things going on in the world. And then what I experienced when I, I met the, the person herself was first of all, somebody who's as small as me and actually tinier than me in terms of the the body shape and which I was I was blown away by this such powerful woman was so small but she actually has very very strong a very strong value set um, that the children were there and there were very strong family values there and the way she spoke and what I just deduced from that in a short period of time is that she uses the world stage metaphorically and, and physically to get her very strong values out there. She is very driven. She's a perfectionist. She's very, very authentic. She's a very um, straightforward person. She was um, down to earth. I was, I was actually blown away by the brand that I was being faced with um, uh, in comparison to the brand that we hear about in the, in the media. But it really struck me, the authenticity, the value set, the strong value set that's projected by the person herself but out on the world stage as well. And do you think, is that something that you think she maybe has planned with her her business ad, uh, personal advisors that she must have, or is it something that maybe wasn't natural for her? I think there'll be a, co- a combination of that, and for, for any brand to be as powerful as that, it has to be authentic, and it, it's a bit like the David Beckham brand that we, we talk an awful lot about, and people say, well, that's a manufactured brand but actually from what i see of that brand and the the analysis i've done on that is that yes it's it's manufactured but it's based on the authenticity of the brand because it's very difficult to be consistent with a brand if it's not you if it's not authentic Um, and that's what david beckham has been very good at and i guess that's what madonna has been very good at as well is having a very solid clear foundation to the brand and what they stand for what their value set is what they believe in what they bring to the world and then that's being built on um, and that's what that's what makes a really powerful brand most of the time it's, it's that's really interesting i i you know if i think about both of those brands um you know i imagine um it might be because i knew somebody who spent a lot of time with Madonna, but I imagine her as being, uh, you know, a bit more prickly, a bit more, um, a bit more harder edged than maybe a David Beckham, who I could imagine being just a very nice person. I don't know. Yeah, I think they're very different people, and, and David Beckham is a very nice person. You hear all sorts of stories about him, and over the years, people have shared many stories about him that are very consistent. They're very different people, but I think that's the key thing, that you've got to discover what your authentic core is, and then you've got to consistently project that and reflect that in the things that you do, and that's what the two of them are doing incredibly well. So, so how do you go about defining your own personal brand? 
Well, the, the, the first thing is you need to, I always say you need to take some time out. You've got to put the brakes on. You've got to give yourself time to really think about your, yourself for a while. And it's not easy. Some people find it very difficult to, to really consider what it is they stand for, what their value set is, what they're great at. I mean, I wonder if I said to you now, Chris, what are your top five personal values in life? You may not be able to answer that instantly, and many people can't because they don't spend enough time thinking about what they really want to achieve in life, what really motivates them, what they stand for, and what they bring. We just get on and get on to a very busy treadmill, business treadmill often, that doesn't allow us time to stop and think. So the very first thing to do is to carve some space out in your in your diary, in your calendar, to really think about when can I stop and put the brakes on, think about what are my values, what are my beliefs, what really motivates me, what is it that I'm really great at, Get, forget the modesty, what do I do every day that I really have a talent for. Um, so, so carve that time out, then get feedback from other people. Ask them what it is they see about you. What words would they use to describe you in just three words? What would people say? Um, for businesses, ask your clients what it is they get from working with you as an individual. And you'll be amazed at some of the gems that you get back from clients when they say, well, when we work with you, what we find is we get absolute comfort feeling that we're going to get the best advice that we can possibly get. There's always that solid attention to detail or whatever it might be. So really get some feedback and map that over how you see yourself and then see how the, where the gaps are. What do you see in yourself that actually you're not projecting well? Or what do other people see in you that you're not capitalizing on? And that's a, that's a really good start. That sounds like a, an excellent start. So I found at I found it actually LinkedIn quite interesting. If somebody gives you a recommendation on there and they ask only for three sort of characteristics or qualities that you would use to describe that person, and it might be integrity or it might be um, value for money, those kinds of things. I, I found that quite an interesting steer yes. as to yeah. how, how people might perceive you. Yes. Um, and when you when you just ask people for a few words, you really focus the brain, and and it's hugely valuable. I build this into to my um, sometimes my keynote presentations. We have some fun with it, but also into workshops as well. And we have some real fun with looking at perceptions of other people and mapping that over our own brand. Great stuff. So spend spend the time um, understanding what your talents are, and then ask other people as well to describe you, and maybe look for mismatches and and differences and then ask people what they get when they work with you what do they get from you when they, when they share time with you that's always useful excellent and do you think is, is it worth asking the question uh, what's important to you yeah it, it really is because i find a lot of people i work with and a lot at senior executive level they just they lose track of what is important to them what really does motivate them and therefore that the life isn't fulfilling this whole subject of personal branding is not just for business it's for individuals to manage their life and get their work life balance perhaps more in line um to really get out of life what they want to so it's a really important question to say well i love playing golf but why why do i love playing golf why does that really specifically motivate me and really try and drill down to what it is at bottom grassroots level motivates you and, and what you really bring as well. What is it that you really bring at that base level as an individual? Fantastic. Well, we're going to go across to a commercial break now. So after the break, we'll find out much more about how to sort of package and market yourself and, uh, and work on the different components of your, your brand. So we shall be back with you again in a couple of minutes.
comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of bemoreachievemore.com and 61consulting.com, and I'm with Leslie Everett uh, today, and uh, we're talking about personal branding and how to develop an authentic personal brand. Uh, now, Leslie, um, I wonder, you know, what are, from your perspective, the best ways to maybe package uh, yourself or market yourself and your brand? Um, the very first thing you need to think about, Chris, is um, what I mentioned just before the commercial break there, is being authentic. Um, so we really, people don't often realize what that is, to be authentic. Well, how do we do that? Um, so we've got to get that established first of all, because if we're not authentic, if we're trying to be somebody we're not, then people will see through that very quickly and very simply and and we won't be consistent. So that's the the first thing. Um, In terms of marketing yourself, it does depend on what um, role you're in, what you want to achieve, whether you you run your own business. Um, But you really need to say, if that's important to me as a person or I'm really interested in this or I have this background to me in my life and this is a really um, powerful thread to me and my brand, you then need to think about how you can build that in to various ways of communication, certainly with online, um, your online brand with social media, do people know about these things that really make you tick, that make you the person you are? I remember working with a managing director of a very large pub company several years ago, and this guy had been brought in um, uh, over and about. Uh, the, his predecessor was a very charismatic guy, so it was a tough role to fill and a tough act to follow. And he came in and was perceived as incredibly arrogant and he, he sacked the PA and he got rid of a few other prominent people and he had a very bad impression he, that he made. I was brought in to coach him to try and fix this. And one of the things that uh, I discovered 
was that he was training for an Iron Man challenge. And I said to him, how many people know about this side of you that you, you know, this fitness side of you? And he said, well, very few because it would just add to the arrogance that, I, uh, with, that I'm perceived with. And in fact, he wasn't arrogant at all. When we delved into why is it that he really wanted to do the Iron Man challenge, it was because he said, well, I have an inability to really focus and achieve at work if I don't go to the gym every day for two hours in the morning. I have no motivation to do it myself. And if I do a challenge like the Iron Man, it means I have to do that training. And it was making him a bit more human. And people started to realize these things about him. And he felt much more comfortable with letting people see that personal dimension to him. And his brand was augmented and he fitted in. It took about 18 months, I have to say, but it did start to work. So we need to think about what are the authentic threads that really we stand for and how do we project those out there with our arm communication. So is that about, you know, maybe coming across as a sort of tough superhuman, but actually um, by sharing and being prepared to share maybe some of the, his weaknesses or flaws in his character, actually it creates a more of a, a link with other people? Yes, I think there is, and that's certainly at senior level. I see this quite a lot that um, senior executives don't want to share that side of them. But the more they can just do that to a level that's appropriate, they're comfortable with, the more they take people with them. People will, it's, it's called transparent leadership. And if people feel they know you, you'll take people with you much more effectively. Um, people feel that they need to know you to trust you and trust is such a key word in the world that we all live in and work in now. So there is a resistance to that at senior level. But what I coach on is trying to get senior executives to relax a bit. Let's look at who you really are. Let's get some of that personality out there. I, I recently, I've had experience I've met a couple of people fairly recently who've um, who sort of said to me they want to be famous and one of them said I'll be more I want to be my intention is to be more famous than Tony Robbins and I have to be honest it kind of turned me off a little bit yes, yes. towards them and I, I just wonder you know is it possible it, you know, can people want you know personal fame and what have you but still be you know consistent and authentic and be doing it for the right reasons. Well, I think, you know, there are some people who are incredibly driven and have and set their sights very high and they want to be famous, but they've got to decide what they want to be famous for. And they can't be famous for something that isn't in line with their authentic core. If they want to be a famous TV presenter, but actually they just haven't got the right personality for that, it's never going to work. So it's, it always comes back to, well, just spend some time discovering yourself again, because we live in such a fast-moving world today. We just track and I always find that if once I get people sat down focusing on these things about them delving into the real heart of who they are as a personality then we've got something to build on and that's why we crack it fine, fine. Good, good stuff so, so what um, are your I know when we chatted you had seven you call them big strides to mm-hmm. personal branding I'm sure that's to do with your your giraffe it's um, to do with the giraffe <laughs> that you use I wonder what are those big strides yeah, I'll take you through them um, briefly. They're called Seven Big Strides to, to Personal Branding, and the, the giraffe is the logo that's synonymous with the, the walking tall brand that everybody remembers. I'm only five foot one and a half tall. I don't know what that is. It is in metric, actually, but um, it's quite small. And so walking tall is about being visible and standing out from the crowd in your own individual way rather than necessarily being physically uh, tall. Yes. Um, so the, the Seven Big Strides, really, are the seven things I've found over the years people need to focus on most to consistently manage and sustain their personal brand. And the very first step is just reiterating what we've been talking about is who you really are. So taking that time to establish the authentic core and what's at the heart of you. 
um, and getting those perceptions as well to build that. The second one is, I call it the first seven seconds. Whether we like it or not, people do judge us incredibly quickly. Um, They take in the non-verbal aspects of what they see to start with, the dress and appearance and body language. And then when somebody starts to speak, it's not so much what we say at that stage, it's the quality in the voice. And if we like what we see and how we're hearing it, then we hook into the content uh, much more quickly or not, as the case might be. Um, for the first few seconds, it's become a cliche that you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And that's why it's become a bit of a subconscious area. People don't think about it consciously enough. We need to bring it up to our conscious mind more because, as I said, we, we live in a very fast-moving, image-conscious, visual world. Um, and it has been said it can take around 20 further experiences with somebody to change a first impression. So it's, it's pretty staggering. So you, you say it's uh, about quality in the voice. Mm. Uh, do you want to explain what you mean by that? Yeah, she says with um, bron- on the way out with bronchitis. <laughs> So the voice isn't quite what it should be today. Um, one of the things I find is that uh, when people present or they're in meetings, sometimes they're not heard in meetings perhaps as they want to be. They get talked over. The voice doesn't have the, the strength or the resonance or the impact. And some of personal, the personal branding methodology is focused on helping with the voice impact. Um, in business presentations, uh, you might have brilliant content. But if you don't project it with a voice that has interest and keeps the audience's attention, then your content's going to be lost, which is such a shame. And, and we often see that, of course, with university lecturers or teachers at school or even business presenters now. They've got great content, but they just can't deliver it. So voice is a really important part of your brand, on the phone as well, of course. Uh, great. I, I wonder, interestingly, I was recently with, um, with two individuals who had, had were quite famous for transforming huge corporations and they, they were kind of at the, leading those organizations when they, they did it. And one thing I noticed was actually both of them were extremely tall and they had a real presence about them uh, as well as a gravitas in their voice. And so I therefore wonder, you know, for those of us, um, and me included, are not particularly tall, does that voice become even more important? Yeah, I think sadly it, it does actually. And it, there has been studies done that show that tall people get on better generally. I, I don't know whether I buy into that or not, but I guess it makes sense. So we have to try that bit harder maybe to just to, to, to be heard. Um, but it's not all about being loud. It's about having what you mentioned there, that presence or that gravitas, that aura that we have. And, you know, it's just how you walk into a room. Uh, makes a huge difference. Simple things like a smile and posture and looking confident and being interested in people, striking up conversations. That says an awful lot about you as an individual. It always gets remarked on. You know, Bill Clinton is always so brilliant. He's always been remarked on over the years of being able to remember things about people, of going up and making that person feel that they're the most important person in the, in the room. So those sorts of things make us stand out. So it's not always about having a louder voice. When we're small, it might we might need to work on other areas a little bit more, yeah. And we, we talked about it a little bit on the last show about Usain Bolt during the Olympics and having a conversation just before he was about to run was it the 100 metres or the 200 metres uh, with uh, the, the staff who were standing around him. And, uh, I mean, the connection that he made with those people in a few seconds, and I have to be honest, you know, I've chatted to a few people since, and that actually has been one of the highlights for the games for them. And he, in those seconds, he made a huge impact with millions of people as well, I suspect. 
Yeah, I think that's one of the things that came through from the games more than anything is the personalities of some of the athletes. And Usain Bolt, of course, was one of the prominent ones. We feel like we know him, whether we think he's arrogant or not. We love him and, and you just want to get more of him. And it's that the, some of the athletes were brilliant when they were interviewed and you just felt you could get something about the genuine person from them. And others were quite dismissive. And, you know, it makes me think, well, what are they going to go on to do when they do finish competitive sport? They've got to have a personality that's going to carry them through. And you can almost tell the ones that are going to, it's going to work for. I mean, Tom Daly, our diver, um, right from his early, uh, young age at 14, when I think I first heard him interviewed, he just stood out. He just shone. He was just bright. He was bubbly and people loved him. And, and I think the personality of athletes or anybody actually, but athletes, and we're talking about Olympics right now, um, is, is one of the things that just makes it all the more special. We want to know a bit about them as an individual. Amazing. He, he was, he was an interesting case as well, wasn't there? There's was a story about him. Somebody twittered and said something quite ridiculous in a Twitter. And this individual had about 13,000 other people, Twitter followers, who commented on it, and then he ended up getting arrested. It just is a, an amazing example of how social media can, um, yeah. you know, kind of destroy a reputation very quickly. The thing there as well is, is react defensively when things like that happen and, um, you know, just let it ride over you. The rest of the audience, and I would say this in a live audience as well, the rest of the audience will always batter that person down. So you don't need to deal with it yourself. No. And I, I guess the other thing to think about from what you've said about these first seven seconds is that even when, even if you're not meeting someone face-to-face, just the fact that you're in a room when somebody walks in and you're slouching, at the table, or yeah, if you're wearing a tie, it's uh, half undone or whatever. That must create an impression, too. Yeah, yeah it does. And and you know, you may not realise you're thinking about it consciously, but it does. We we judge people on what we see instantly. We trust that, um, and then we might make all sorts of logical reasons in our mind not to believe that or go with that intuition. But often down the line, we find that it's a, a bit of a true reflection of uh, a little bit of that person's personality. So we don't think about these nonverbal things. Um, in fact, the third big stride is I call it dress like you mean it. Um, and again, a lot of people don't like to think about the fact that the way they dress says something about them. It should be about me as an individual. Well, absolutely it should. And it's a great opportunity to reflect your personality. But I always say when, when you dress, certainly in, in a business environment, make sure that you don't let your image get in the way of your true qualities and abilities and, and dress like you mean it's important um, the silent indicators is next body language we've got to be aware of that what's that saying about us our handshakes our voice quality we talked about a lit is stride number five um, number six is about being interested and visible being interested in other people will make you a more impactful and more interesting person. And being visible is so important for our brand today. We need to know that people know who we are, what we do, and what we're great at. And as part of our training, we do visibility and profile planning, um, and that, that's important for the brand. And the seventh one is just about consistency. Um, for a brand to be successful, whether it's a product brand or a personal brand, it needs to be consistent, otherwise we give confusing messages. That's an overview of the seven big strides there. Good stuff. Well, let's, let's go into a bit more uh, detail for people after the commercial break and maybe yeah, expand on those and, and, and have a think about, you know, if you're sitting here listening to this, have a think about each of these and maybe start writing down 
what's um you know what it means to you and maybe how you can use some of this stuff and actually apply it so we'll be back again in a couple of minutes um to uh, further discuss uh, those key elements from the boardroom to you voice america business network Is your business ready to get started in social media? If you've already made that plunge, where do you stand right now? Are you using it to stay ahead of your competition? Or are you feeling a bit lost? Tune in to Social Media Pearls with host Shirley Williams. Shirley and her guest experts are here to answer your questions as well as focus on areas where you should have questions. It's everything you've always wanted to know about using social media for business. It's Social Media Pearls, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment, and that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and is the co-founder of BR Public Relations, who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to The Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com. And if you have any questions, so if you're listening live and you want me to put a question to Leslie, um, and if you get it through to me quickly and it's a good one, then um, I'll be I'm happy to uh, try and find out the answer for you. Um, so we're, I'm with Leslie Everett. We're talking about personal branding, about how to develop an authentic personal brand. And we, we're talking about um, seven big strides to personal branding um, before um, the break. And um, Leslie said, you know, so the first one was, what do you mean by who you really are? And that we talked about um, before that about how to to understand your authentic brand. And we talked about what is the first seven seconds. And then Leslie mentioned, how how do you dress like you mean it? So dressing like you mean it. So let's let's have a a talk about um, about dress, Leslie, and clothing. And you, you mentioned in there about reflecting of being reflecting your personality but being careful that you're not giving the wrong impression i think yes i mean it's uh, obviously it's everybody needs to be individual and i think the world we live in now we we're allowed to be individual with the way we dress under the umbrella of what's expected within the environment we might work in um but it's about being appropriately 
dressed and also not letting your image and the way you dress get in the way of your true qualities and abilities. So it's doing it a little bit more consciously, saying to yourself, is this appropriate for the audience I'm with or the clients I'm with today? What are their expectations of, of, of me? What's the situation or the environment? Is it formal? Is it informal? Is it casual? And what are your objectives as well? Because you've got to think about what am I achieving from this meeting, from what I'm doing today? And if you can think about those things consciously, you'll come up with what is the most relevant outfit, if you like. I always say that, you know, we have this casual dress down phenomenon that we've, we have in the city here in London more than ever before. Um, but it doesn't mean a dress down day doesn't mean a licensed slob day. It doesn't mean you don't have to press your clothes. It doesn't mean you don't have to polish your shoes. It doesn't mean you can wear something with a button missing because those sorts of things will damage your brand. And they, they appear to be small, but they always get noticed. Yeah, people have observed. I, I was recently at a, a TED event at, at a weekend and I, I was quite... Uh, it was quite a young audience of, of people, mostly I suspected sort of a few years out of college or university. Mm-hmm. And, and I think out of a hundred people that were there, I was the, probably the only one who actually went with a, in a suit right. with, a, with an open neck. I have to say, I felt a little bit out of it. And the rest were in jeans, t-shirts, and a lot of the men had beards. Um, right. And, and I just, you know, I just sort of sensed that the, that generation, um, you know, does dress differently, certainly to, to my generation mm. as a home, and um, I, and I wonder for that generation, you know, should they also be considering the way they dress? Or? Yeah, they, they should, and it's one of the things I'm often brought into organisations to do is to work on graduate programmes, and that is one of the subjects that crops up. And what you don't want to do is to stem a young person's creativity and personality, far from it. But if they're working in an investment bank, there will be some dress guidelines. It doesn't mean that they have to suppress personality. It just means they need to think about clothes that fit well. It doesn't always have to be good high quality stuff, but if things fit well, they will always look good on you. It's always about things, little things seemingly about having shoes polished, whether they're casual shoes, whether they're suited and booted shoes. Um, being good grooming as well, your nails not all bitten down or looking like you've done the gardening over the weekend, that kind of thing. Um, I've written a lot about this in articles and in my book, Walking tall there's an awful lot of um, things in there just to think about that might be common sense but aren't common practice and are things that can let you down without you even realizing it so it's just thinking about what am I projecting about myself and is it in line with where I want to be and how I want to position myself I I was talking with uh, a year or so ago with a very very successful speaker in the United States and he was he was sort of sharing the, the virtues of men having facials and and also having you having your nails kind of uh, managed yeah. and groomed and he regularly goes and does that and I was at an event and I with a big screen one day and I I noticed one speaker with um, some food between the teeth and I did notice someone's nails yeah. uh, and it's interesting in those sorts of environments it's going to be particularly important isn't it. It is. I mean, that's one of the things. If you are speaking and you're on a, a, a big screen, everything is, is, is magnified. You've just got to think about it even more. But even, even without being on a big screen, on, a, on in front of people in a, on a stage, people are looking at you and any little thing can get noticed and it could be a distraction. Um, and we know that when we watch people on TV and you, you might be watching a reporter and his tie isn't quite straight and you're thinking to yourself subconsciously, why doesn't somebody tell him there's a whole TV crew there in front of him and you're not focusing on what he says. So you've missed the vital first seven or eight seconds of that report. 
and you have to backtrack a little bit. So it becomes a bit of a distraction. We've just got to make sure it works for us. Uh, is the is the answer maybe for people who are thinking, well, you know, I, I dress, I maybe don't always dress to impress at work, I, I dress to be comfortable. Is the answer maybe to think about, you know, where they want to get to in that organisation, if, if they are in a company, and look at the the individual's who are where they want to be and how they dress. Yes, you know, it's not whenever I work with people, it's not always working with people who are exceptionally ambitious or or want to move into a higher role. But once I work with an individual, they may appear not to have an interest or don't think clothing is particularly important. But once we delve down into what their objective is, and everybody has an objective, even if they don't know what it is and haven't defined it, we can actually we can establish that. So once we look at what it is they want to achieve, and it may be as simple as I want to be respected and valued for what I bring in my role. Um, then we've got to think about all the aspects that will give them and help them to, to meet that objective. And one of them could be dress, because it doesn't matter how good you are at something. If something like that is getting in the way, it's going to jeopardize your chances of, of reaching that objective. So there's always something where there's a reason to think about these things. Is there, if, if you're a supplier... And um, I have this experience when I go into, go into companies. I mean, the, the kind of rule I tend to adopt is either to I find out what the dress code is and either match it or try and just uh, be one step further ahead in terms of being a, a bit more overdressed than under. Yeah, absolutely. That's the right thing to, to do, Chris, is always to be that one step above. If you are a supplier, then you don't want to be going into a media environment that's jeans and T-shirts dressed the same way. You've got to go one level up. Now, it wouldn't be the suit and the tie, but it might be um, a pair of tailored trousers and an open neck shirt. It might be a jacket, but certainly an open neck shirt. Um, so you don't alienate yourself, but you are that one step above. You've always got to think about what it is they're expecting from, from you. And if you meet that expectation, then, then you're okay. Yeah, I have to say I made a mistake this week. I, I, I was running a team development program for a board, and they said it's, uh, it's smart casual. Right. I've, got, I've got a very smart pair of jeans on, a, a, a smart shirt. I actually got soaked by the rain when I walked in, and everybody was in suits. <laughs> so, so. Well, I do this in my workshops. I always say, tell them to come dressed business casual, or sometimes I'll say smart casual. And you would be amazed at the differences in the room, the different interpretations of that. So we use it as a basis for discussion. Yeah. So, so tell me about um, the, the silent indicators. Yeah, that's really about body language, and we, we don't think about things consciously like our handshake. Yeah, if I said to you, what's the worst handshake you can get, I can imagine it would be something like, um, well, the weak one or the, the, the wet fish. Uh, and we remember who gave us that handshake, but yet we don't always know what our handshake is like and whether our handshake is also the same. So we need to get feedback on on that. Um, there's obviously masses of cultural differences with the way we meet and greet, but typically in the, the Western world, a firmish handshake is, is important. So that would be a silent indicator. Posture, um, the, uh, the, the facial expression are just all silent indicators. We need to think about how we actually uh, portray ourselves uh, silently with uh, uh, other than the verbal stuff. Great. great. So I can remember that, that very soft handshake, and I think his name was Ineas, and it was about 10 years ago. <laughs> I will never forget how soft that handshake was. You remember to see you remember the name. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, hopefully he's not listening, but I don't think he will be. <laughs> yeah. um, so, um, so those are silent indicators. How about speaking easy? Yeah, and that's about the voice. We mentioned this earlier 
on um people don't think about their voice they don't think about their voicemail messages being part of their brand you know what does it say about you when people phone in and listen to your voicemail have you listened to it have you got other people to critique it because we're not the best judges of our own voice we tend to not like the sound of our own voice when we hear it recorded so it's better to have somebody else just give you some advice and say yeah that comes across as upbeat and dynamic and i love my job or does it come across as downbeat and boring and dull and i don't really want to be here because that will say something about you before you've even had a communication with with somebody um voice to voice or face to face so uh, voice is something i would suggest people get feedback on from other people and actually think about it more consciously it's something that can let us down and certainly adds a layer to our brand several times a day i think that's a very important point and and i i you probably um, are very familiar with this uh, too, but I was listening to somebody who was talking about the the power of the voice and was explaining how the the dynamics of that voice we hear our own voices very differently because of um, it's coming out of us and where our ears are positioned, etc. Uh, versus how other people may hear us, there's a difference. Yes, that's right, and that's that's why we automatically tend to not like the sound of our voice on a recording because it it sounds completely different. So, uh, very important to give other get other people to give you that feedback. Uh, absolutely. Um, what do you mean by be interested and visible? And by the way, we've just, this is too interesting to have another commercial break. So, uh, we're not going to have one. We're going to continue right through to the end, Leslie. Um, <laughs> so, what, what do you mean by be interested and visible? Um, I find that uh, in life, and people, uh, everybody agrees when I talk about this, if you're interested in somebody else, it, you come across as a more interesting person. People love you to be interested in them. When you remember people's names, when people remember my name, I'm always, it's always a, it's always a very positive, warm feeling. It's nice when people remember these things. So it makes you more impactful. I remember last year coaching a guy in a very senior role in a foot, 100 company, incredibly busy international role, one of the busiest people I've ever coached. And at the time, my son had just had to go through clearing to get his university place and he hadn't got his accommodation sorted out. And at the, the time we had the coaching session, um, this was, we were just talking about this, making small talk before we started. I saw him again six uh, weeks later and the very first thing this guy said to me was, now tell me, how did, did, how did Max get on? Did he get his accommodation sorted? Now, this was a completely irrelevant topic to, to, to him. You know, it was just something that I was going through at the time that we had a brief chat on. But I was blown away by the fact not only had he remembered it, but he'd remembered my son Max's name as well. And it's these sorts of things that when they happen, it constantly reminds me of how powerful they are in making somebody memorable and likable as, as well. And we are in a very busy world. We forget sometimes that we need to make things about the other person, you know, actively listening thinking asking them questions about themselves remembering that they were about to go on a holiday of a lifetime last time you saw them do you remember to just check in and see how that was um it has a massive impact and i think we can all relate to that when it happens to us so important way to be uh, to stand out from the crowd great how about being visible yeah, um, visibility planning is becoming more and more important. In fact, I run workshops now on visible leadership. Our clients ask for that. Um, it's no longer good enough just to get on with your job and do a good job. It's not going to be enough for you to get to where you want to, to, to be today. In fact, um, Ellery Sampson, in her book called The Image Factor, she did a study to look at the three biggest factors in career progression today. 
And what she found was that it's only 10% down to doing your job. So no longer good enough just to do a great job. That won't get you to where you want to be. 30% down to attitude and behavior when you do your job. And 60% down to visibility and exposure. So it's no, it's, it's not good enough for you to be, do a good job if nobody knows about it. So in some way, you've got to build this into your brand project, projection every day, what it is you do and what you're great at. And it's not about shouting from the rooftops about it, but it's just being consistent with being clear about what it is that we, we bring to the table. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and make sure you're not that, uh, that wallflower. <laughs> make sure you're visible I think that must be has to be said for any you know whether you're in a, a corporate business or whether you're running your own business <laughs> you've got to be visible haven't you you have you have we, we really have now and it's no longer good enough for the CEO to sit in his glass office on the 10th floor and not see anybody you know he, the, the personality needs to come out it needs to be visible hey we'll, we'll come back to the seventh point in a minute but I was, I'm interested in uh, you mentioned about sort of being in, interested and I've just just wondered what what um, made this subject for you so interesting that you wanted it to become a focal part of or a key part of what you do? Well, it was a very odd, well, it was a personal brand journey and story in its own right, I guess, because I started off my working life working in um, the magistrate's court studying law. And I realized that wasn't for me and went into IT within criminal justice, so a slightly strange move. And then I went to work for Unisys, um, obviously a large IT company, American company, that supplied um, hardware and software to the, to the criminal justice sector. And throughout the years, I'd done various part-time studies on um, psychology and beauty therapy and physiology and nonverbal communication. And when I got into corporate life, I started to realize there were people around me that weren't getting the opportunities or the exposure that they deserved because they didn't necessarily look the part or present themselves well. And my direct manager was one of them at the time. He should have been two levels higher than where he was, but he just didn't look the part. He looked a bit of a mess. And it made me think there's nobody actually providing this kind of service to help people to be who they are and project their true qualities and abilities. And I left IT life in about 1996-97 and uh, decided to retrain intensively and bring all my skills together with my business knowledge and corporate skills and set up the company and it we it really got kicked off about um uh the uh 1999-2000 and that's when we really focused on image and and personal brands started to evolve great i'm so an example a really great example of niching and and becoming an expert in one particular area Yes, it is, and we're very careful not to, um, to to get involved in things that aren't absolutely niche. Our niche is our product. We're well known for um, addressing the subject of personal branding, and um, with my role internationally, we're able to keep it very up-to-date um, with different cultures as, as well. So we really do believe that um, that's what we're good at, that's what we stick to. We don't do anything else. Great. So the, the seven. Let's get to back to the seventh point, which was um, about each time, all the time. Yeah, that's about consistency. So, for for any brand to be as successful as it needs to be, whether it's a corporate brand, a product brand, or especially a personal brand, it needs to be consistent. So, this is the thing. I think if you you mentioned Tiger Woods. Um, earlier on and what happened when he um, monumentally destroyed his personal brand overnight is he just broke that consistent image that we all thought we we knew and we felt cheated and so all of a sudden this inconsistency comes in and people feel they don't know him after all and it's a fake and we don't believe it anymore um, so we've, we've got to make sure that we are 
consistent. Um, one great example I often use of, of this, and it happened a few years ago, but I think it's a really good example, is our great David Beckham that's known the world over. Um, he, we did. I worked on an ITV documentary here in the UK, and it was about the time of this alleged Rebecca Luz affair. And it was a survey. We did a survey as part of this TV program that showed that 50% of people blamed Rebecca Luz for this alleged affair. And the other 50% blamed his wife, Victoria. And nobody actually blamed David Beckham for this because the brand was so strong and consistent that it didn't quite fit with what we felt we all knew. So we considered it to be just a blip. And if it was, if he did do it, it must have been somebody else's fault. And it was just such a powerful um, uh, illustration of a brand. And I started to call it the Beckham blip. Um, and I spoke on, on TV about it, wrote an article about it. And that's what I mean by consistency. What would your equivalent of the Beckham blip actually be? What do you do so consistently well that when you don't quite deliver to expectations, it's considered just a blip and not part of your, your brand. Mm, mm. And that's very, very true. So I guess being careful about what you do at the, the Christmas party, that's <laughs> probably, um, you know, all those things can impact your brand, I guess. Yeah, and they hang around and they stay there, yeah. <laughs> they certainly do, yes. I've got a few memories of one or two events that happened to people at uh, Christmas parties. I'm pleased to say I wasn't involved myself, but... Uh, um, we did have one, uh, one company I worked in when I was uh, a graduate. Uh, my first graduate job, there was a, a marketing director who... Um, quite 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 respected and met his family and what have you and he eventually had an affair with a PA and uh, and also diverted some work to her and she'd uh, a very unwise choice I think she'd been from uh, uh, man to man about each of them about 20 years older than her and uh, you know his his brand and his equity were just shattered I mean uh, you know the respect for people right across the company for him just yep. went it can really, really be dangerous, yeah. It can. So I, I want to just mention as well, I read an article about, about you, and I, I think you may have written it yourself, I'm not sure, but I loved it. It was about your experiences of being a woman um, unusually requested to speak in Iran. And I, I know you've spoken in Iran, it was, uh, it, was, it was fascinating. And I just wonder, how do you maintain your brand you know, in the face of a, a different cultural system? Because I know... For example, women aren't allowed to shake hands with men and you needed to cover yourself and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Um, but I think the, the big learning curve is, and I, um, because I travel a lot and speak, I always check out what a culture is and what, that, what to expect. So I knew very well what to expect before I went to Iran. So I was prepared for it. Um, so, it, but it was quite difficult not offering a handshake. That's the first thing I would do and not touching a man. Not my husband came with me and not being able to hold hands in the street, being careful with that. So it was, it was actually having to be very conscious of things that I would just do naturally. But I think the important thing is, the, the most important thing to keep my brand intact there was to respect their culture. And if we don't respect a culture, whether it's working with people in our country or whether we visit other countries, then that's going to damage the, the brand. So sometimes we just need to modify our behavior and what we need to do to make sure we don't, don't damage it in any way. But it's an experience. Well, we've got about another sort of minute and a half to the end of the show. I just wondered what the final messages you'd like to leave the audience with. I think it's um, the most important thing is be who you are and be the best person, be the best version of who you are, what you do. Be authentic. Really stop and think. Take some time out for yourself and think about what motivates you, 
you want to achieve. Set your objectives. Get feedback from people. Take that feedback and map it over how you see yourself and where you want to, to get to. But it's really personal branding is about being the best you can be authentically, getting to the heart of you and using it position yourself where you want to be in life um, and it's a fun process you know it's, it shouldn't be hard work because it should be if it's if it's authentic it'll be easy to be consistent um, so that that's really what i'd like to leave people with enjoy it and have fun great well it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you i've really enjoyed it um, thank you thank you very much Chris. Thank you're, you. you're very welcome and if you want to find out more about leslie everett and um, go to uh, Everett. that's l-e-s-l-e-y-e-v-e com and also um, www.walkingtall.org. Is that correct, Leslie? It's absolutely right, yes. Fantastic. And if, you've, if you have any questions or feedback that you want to send me, um, you can email me at chris at bemoreachievemore.com. You can leave comments on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash bemoreachievemore. And uh, do also subscribe to the newsletter at Be More Achieve More because I keep people up to date on you know my thoughts on shows on and what's coming up in the future. So it's been a pleasure to uh, be with you again this week and have a, a fabulous week and I should look forward to talking to you again shortly. Thank you. We thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. 